Say what I say. <laughs> week ago, yesterday, early Saturday morning, I sat really in a time of silent communion with God. And I was praying about a number of things. I was praying about particular needs in certain people's lives, some of you. There were certain missionaries that God brought to mind. I prayed about these. As always, when I'm alone with God, I began to think about the abundant blessings that surround me in life. And I frankly don't know any man in the world who is more blessed than I am. I found myself praying for Jim Grinnell, who was going to preach the next day on the parables of Matthew chapter 24 and 25. There were several situations I was facing, and I began to pray for guidance in those situations. And also, even though it was a week away, I was praying to God to give me guidance concerning what I should say this morning. And then I came to an interesting time. I fell into somewhat of a passive reverie. And although it didn't fit the time of meditation I was having, I began to recall ministry trips that Barbara and I had had together. I began to think of this event and that event and this trip and that trip and I really was in a strange place because in one corner of my mind I was still thinking about Jim Grinnell and his sermon from Matthew 24 and 25 as if that were the wallpaper and the room in which I was living thinking these other things. And yet I began to think about these trips and I was praying, Lord, what should I talk about next Sunday. And I thought, Jim Grinnell is going to talk about parables. And Jesus taught in parables, and Jesus taught in stories, and Jesus taught by analogy. And then I sensed this, the Lord say to me, next Sunday, do what Jesus did. Talk about your trips. Because after all the lessons I've taught you on the journey, these are parables of life. So this morning, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the journey, lessons learned on the road. Now, by the way, I, there's something. let me give you a glimpse behind the scenes. It's such a joy to be a part of the preaching team here at TCF because... It's rare for any one of us to enter the pulpit without having a bit of a conversation about the sermon with one of the other preachers. We never ask one another what to preach, but we usually dialogue a bit about it. And when any one does a good job in the pulpit, of course it's by the grace and anointing of God, there's that team sense that we as a team have done a good job because it's a sense we're doing this together. So I sat down with Bill this week. I didn't sit. I leaned against his bookshelves and said, uh, Brother, here's the direction I feel God is having me go Sunday. And I got his permission. Uh, so today, <laughs> so here we go. 
First thing I want to talk about this morning is it is important as we travel to enjoy the journey. Barbara and I were always traveling on ministry trips and we were going somewhere and our trips had purpose. And yet even though we were traveling on a trip with a purpose, there was that wonderful blessing that we had in travel. The blessing of seeing the beauty of this wonderful nation in which we live. And it's wonderful that as you travel around the United States in all kinds of topography and all kinds of terrain, every place you look, you see the unique beauty of that wonderful place. When our schedules allowed, we would stop at historical sites. I remember one time we were in New Hampshire and had to drive down to uh, preach one weekend in New York and then we're to drive back to New Hampshire. And as we came to Albany, instead of turning immediately east and going through Vermont, why not go a direction we've never driven before? It'll take longer, but let's do it. And so we drove north up the Hudson River and saw the hills and all of that scenery. And we came to the town of Ticonderoga, where Fort Ticonderoga is located. Now, Ticonderoga is the place where the first Navy of the United States was built. Benedict Arnold hurriedly uh, assembled five boats, some of them made out of green wood, and they went up into Lake Champlain, and there they fought the British Armada that had been hurriedly, also hurriedly constructed in order to bring uh, British troops across the lake to descend into the colonies to fight George Washington. But these five crude vessels all sank in the battle, but they so delayed the British that the British had to wait several months to come into the United States, so George Washington and his troops were victorious at Saratoga. And so here we were at Ticonderoga. Two of those ships have been brought up from the deep. One is now in the Smithsonian, and there we saw not much of a ship. It was the keel and the ribs. But here we saw a vessel that had been involved in a battle that significantly contributed to the fact that today we have the nation we have. What a joy it was to stand there and look at the remnants of this ship. And then we traveled on through beautiful scenery back into New Hampshire. The joy of eating food that was far different from anything that we ever ate at home, the wonderful evenings together in the motel, driving along the road, listening to music, listening to talk shows that are never heard in this part of the country and usually expressing a political point of view different than what we would hear. Just being together without all of these distractions, there was a wonderful sense of freedom as we enjoyed the journey. But now let me tell you something. There's enough Puritan in me that for a long time I had trouble enjoying the journey. I can't explain this logically, but there were times when I struggled with guilt because after all, I was on the clock. I was working. We were traveling. It wasn't supposed to be fun. Discipline and responsibility were supposed to be the order of the day, and yet... I was having fun, and I struggled with guilt. <laughs> I wrestled with my emotions, and in time, over the years, the Lord dealt with that and began to teach me that it was okay 
to enjoy the trip. As a matter of fact, I sense that it pleased him when I had fun on the journey. But that's something I had to learn. You know, brother and sister, asceticism has plagued the church since its earliest days. In Corinth, Paul had to struggle with licentiousness in Colossae, had to struggle with asceticism, and had to deal with both of them in Ephesus. But the Lord had to get some things across to me concerning asceticism, not having fun. One of them is this. Asceticism robs God of our gratitude. Now, you've heard me talk about this verse so often because it's been such an important one in my life. But in 1 Timothy 4, God said, a doctrine of demons is, in essence, don't enjoy good food, don't enjoy the conjugal relationship of marriage. That's a doctrine of demons. God has given us these sensual pleasures to enjoy with gratitude or with thanksgiving. And when we do not enjoy such things, then God is robbed of our gratitude. That's the first thing that God began to teach me. Secondly, as James said, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father which is above. And then this, in Philippians, we often quote that passage in Philippians 3, 10 to 13, in which Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, I was very gifted at knowing how to be satisfied when I was empty. That, that, that asceticism, you see. But I had never thought about this. Paul said, I have learned to be content when I'm in prosperity. I have learned to be content when I am full. <laughs> that really went against my nature. I had to learn to be content with prosperity. I had to learn to be content with being full. I don't know how many of you ascetics and Puritans here have the problem I did, but if so, hear God say that. Yes, we must know how to be content when we have little, but we must also find joy and contentment when we have much. If you've been on a short-term mission trip, I traveling overseas as I have, I know the challenge you have when you come home is having been in a culture where people have little, in some cases virtually nothing, and you come home and you actually have a toilet. You come home and you have clean water. You come home in the heat of Oklahoma and you have air conditioning. And you struggle, how do I relate to this? And you come to church on Sunday and somebody says, how was your trip? And you want to say, shut up, don't ask me. I can't even understand myself right now. And you know, you struggle with the guilt of, of living in this abundance that we have. And yet, let us be content with abundance when God allows us to have that in our lives. And so really, that was a challenge for me, to learn that it was not a sin to have fun in the prosperity and the blessings that God was allowing. Now, I want to urge you this morning, 
I want to exhort you this morning. As you journey through life, enjoy the journey. And you know, most of the time, whether or not we enjoy it is our attitude. Let me tell you something. I, some, I, I, as some of you know, from time to time, I work on cars. And sometimes when you're sweating and the bolts just aren't going in the holes like they're supposed to, <laughs> you have two choices. Or, Lord, this is so much fun. <laughs> and it may surprise you, but it is fun when there is a hole and you know it's there and it's where you can't see it and you've got a bolt and you're trying to get it in it won't line up and finally it does start going in. That's fun. <laughs> I'm telling you it is. It's all your attitude. <laughs> One of the joys of my life. Now I'm only telling you some of my stories because I want you to not to think about me this morning, but think about yourself. Here's what God is saying to you as I tell about my life. Barbara loved flowers. And one of the greatest delights in my life was to slip to the kitchen window when she was out working among her flowers, and she would arrange, put a plant here and step back, know it looks better here. If there were a squirrel around, she talked to the squirrel, and the squirrel talked back. If she, there was a rabbit, she talked to the rabbit, she talked to the dog, she and the brown thrasher and the robin and the dove and, and chickadees, they all had great conversations. I'll tell you, it was, I cannot tell you... <laughs> The joy and delight in my heart of stepping to the kitchen window when she didn't know I was watching and watch my wife enjoy doing those simple things with her hands. What joy. The joy of music. Isn't music a blessing? A God moves us all different ways. I enjoy almost any genre except metal, hard metal, as long as it's done well. Now, I don't like it if it isn't done well. But whether it's Bach or bluegrass or New Orleans jazz, I don't really care for modern jazz, but the blessing of music. How can you put into words the blessing that we have with music and just the beauty? In Philippians 4.8, it urges us the things that are noble, the things that are beautiful, things that are good. Think on these things. And it's not talking about Scripture. Read a novel if it's a good one. Uh, look at the beautiful scenery. Go visit an art gallery. The beauty that God allows us to enjoy. But as we say, so much of the secret of enjoying the journey is one of attitude. Second thing is this. Remember, it's a journey. Now this is the opposite side of the coin that I just presented. And frankly, for our culture, probably it's the most important side of the coin. The journey is not about the journey. The journey is about the destination. I know of, quote, retired folks, and I think what a miserable life they must lead. They have an RV, and they're always just traveling, going nowhere, <laughs> just traveling. What a terrible way to live. You don't have any reason to get out of bed in the morning. Wouldn't that be a horrible way to live? Thank God I have several. But you know, so much humanity is like that. They're just traveling. They're not going anywhere. It's 
It's all about the food. It's all about the drink. It's all about the music. It's all about Facebook and texting and sightseeing and sex. And instead of enjoying the God-given pleasure with thanksgiving and glorifying God, too many people live just for the pleasure and pleasure becomes a God. In Philippians 3.19, Paul writes of those who in is destruction whose God is their appetite. The Greek really says empty place, and so some versions say belly, whose glory is their shame and who set their mind on earthly things. Colossians 3.1, Therefore you've been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For so many people, the journey is just about the journey without thinking of the fact the purpose of the journey is the destination. You know, I I have to say that I see today some people who run around seeking experiences with the Holy Spirit are in that same mentality. It's this game. Oh, the Holy Spirit is slaying people over here and the Holy Spirit's making folks jump around over here. So I run here for this, and I run here for that. And there's an obsession with, with experience, rather than realizing if these things are genuine, there's a purpose for expanding the kingdom of God, not just some Disneyland thrill that seems to motivate so many people today who are running around seeking spiritual experiences. Let us remember... God wants us to enjoy the trip, but let's remember it is a journey. Here's another truth that has come out of the journeys. There will be troubles on the journey, but God is with us. I can illustrate this so many, many ways. One time, we had just passed through a town, and as we got past the town, past the city limits, the car quit. Well, I got out, raised the hood, did a little bit of diagnosis, and realized the fuel pump wasn't working. What was it going to do? Well, I retraced my steps, walked back in town, had no idea where I was going, and immediately came to a car parts store. <laughs> they had the fuel pump. I walked back out to the country, pulled my tools out of the trunk, and put on a new fuel pump, and we were on our way. Now, you see... I had no idea where a car parts store was. There could not have perhaps not even been one in that town. Another occasion, we were driving, and all of a sudden, steam started coming out of the hood. What on earth? We pulled over into the shade, raised the hood, and a radiator hose had burst. Well, what are we going to do now? I just started walking. And lo and behold, I came to a little tiny strip mall, and there was a car parts store. (laughs) And I got the radiator hose and went back and we were on a schedule and I didn't have time to let the engine cool and so I still have scars on my arms from from doing that but that's a blessing because I look at these and remember God was with me I didn't know where I was walking but here was a car parts store so I was able to stick on the hose and we went on here's another interesting one time we were driving and we're going through the mountains and we'd we'd come down through the mountains and we'd come into the motel and pulled in the parking lot, and just as I parked the car in the parking space, the power cylinder went out on the power steering, and there was just fluid everywhere. Now, if that had happened 15 minutes before, when we were going through the mountains, we'd have been dead. 
It happened just as I stopped the car in the parking space in this motel. You know, years ago, as I began to contemplate life and all the things that go on, here's the image God gave me. Life is like walking across a frozen lake. And the ice is so thin that you will fall through unless God has His hand beneath the ice. And for me, God has always kept His hand beneath the ice. Praise His holy name. You know, there's so many scriptures that we could talk about in this passage. We sing the song, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. First uh, Peter 5, 6, and 7, Hebrews 13, 5. A few days ago, I was reading in Acts chapter 12, <clears throat> And there's the record of Peter. You remember Peter was arrested and put in jail and there were uh, four groups of four soldiers who were to take care of him. At night he was chained between two, one on each side, one in front of this gate and one in front of that gate. You know the story of how God miraculously delivered him. But the first two verses tell a different story. It says that Herod laid hands on some of the believers, he arrested them, he put them in jail in order to mistreat them. And among these was James, and he killed James by the sword, verses 1 and 2. Then verse 3 starts to tell the story of Peter's deliverance. Was God's hand not with those in verse 1 and 2? Was his eye not upon them? No, (laughs) their journey was over. And that time does come, you see. It is a journey, and there is a time when the journey is over. Whether I am killed or whether I am delivered, the 23rd Psalm is true. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The song, an old song, abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, Lord, abide with me. And God has, thus far in my life, always said yes to that prayer. I am with you. It's important as we travel to look forward to the destination. Now, I have to admit that as Barb and I travel quite often, almost every time, I was quite anxious about the destination. I knew that as soon as we arrived, I would enter into a very vigorous schedule. I would have very little time that would be my own. But even a greater stress than that was this. Not only were the people anticipating our arrival, but they also had great expectations of what was going to happen while we were there. And frankly, some of those expectations were very unreasonable. Now, I know a man of God should not have the emotions I had, but I'm transparent today. I had them. And Bill and Jim will tell you that sometimes... When I've been getting ready to go on one of those trips, I've said to them, I don't want to go. (laughs) I don't want to go. (laughs) Because there was that very human 
fear of failure. And you say, but you're a man of faith. Yes, but I'm also honest. (laughs) I had to deal with the fear of failure. Trusting in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and yet human enough to dread somewhat arriving at the destination. However, every time it did arrive, (laughs) of course the Holy Spirit was there as always, and after a while didn't want to come back home because it was such a wonderful, glorious time with God and everything. And even though I knew that, I have to be honest with you today that that emotion of fear and anxiety was always present as we traveled toward the destination. But here's the point. I don't have that feeling at all about the destination that awaits my journey of life. None at all. My name is in the Lamb's book of life. I have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And when my journey is over, I am really, (laughs) really going home. You know, I can relate to Paul who wrote to the Philippians, he said, you know, I'm, I'm in a strait. I don't know which way to turn. I'd like to die today and go be with Jesus. That'd be the best thing for me. But you folks need me to stick around a while <laughs> and have fruitful ministry to His glory and your edification. So he said, I'm pulled two ways. And I don't know which way to go. And I have to admit, That's my emotion. There are people who need me. And I realize, at this time at least, it is important for me to continue in this life. But there's another side of me that would like to take flight this morning and go home. Let's look forward to the destination. And I want to say to you this morning... If you live to be 90, if you live to be 100, if you live to be 110 or 120, that still is just a glint in the eye of history. Compared to eternity, it is absolutely nothing. It's all about the destination. Now I assume, since I'll be 79 in October that my journey is going to be over in a few years. Probably before yours. But that doesn't necessarily have to be true. You who are younger than I actually may get to go home before I do. Now, I've subjected you this morning to approximately 30 minutes of prattle. But what I'm going to say now is not prattle. If you've heard nothing else, hear this. When your journey is over, where will you be? 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 When your journey is over, where will you be? I thank God that He has given us a clear road map to tell us how to get home. And it's through the cross. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. Not in my righteousness, 
not in my hope, not in anything I can achieve, but it is by His grace through the cross of Jesus. And having come to the cross and having received salvation, then by the leading of the Holy Spirit to live a life that magnifies Him, that reflects Him, that glorifies Him. If you're not sure, when you come to the end of the journey, where you're going to be, there are elders here today who would just be overjoyed to be able to give you the map so you can find your way home. Through Jesus, amen. Thank you, Jim. I have to say that uh, aren't we all glad that we're on the journey with Jim and we're together? Amen. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the journey that we're on. And we thank you that it's not just any old journey, but it's a journey toward a destination. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be able to take to heart those things that we've heard this morning. We'd be able to remember, Lord, that you give us things along the way to enjoy. We'd be able to remember these things, Father God. We'd be able to remember that uh, even when difficulty comes, that you are there with us, Lord, and that you are a faithful God. We thank you, Father. Most of all, we thank you for the destination. We thank you, Father that the destination is made possible by the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord God. Help us to always be mindful of that as we walk along this journey together. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed.